Last week, we started a series called We Can't Stay Here. So uh, we've been talking about this in terms of God directing us and moving us into a different place and a different season in our life. Um, how many of you know just because you live in a place, it doesn't make it healthy and it doesn't make it the best, right? Just because we live in a place of understanding or whatever it might be in our life doesn't mean that we've arrived. We haven't arrived until we die, really, until we're gone long from this world. That's when we arrive and we arrive in God's presence and that's a wonderful thing. But while we're here, God wants to lead us into places which often require risk, which often require us to forego some of our comfort in order to go where God is leading us to go. And it might be different, and I can guarantee you it's not just might, it is different for every person in this room, even spouses. It's different for you possibly that God is calling you in a place of your own heart or your own life to get rid of something maybe that's holding you back from him and to move into a healthier place or to find your your peace with God that you need in the midst of chaos. It might be something very specific for you individually. It could be as a couple, but we also said as the application for our message series, this is for our church too. We're not saying this in a visionary way, like we're going to sell the building tomorrow and move somewhere and we can't stay here, but we don't want to stay stuck in any pattern or any behavior or in any position or place that isn't the healthiest because God wants us to be healthy and he wants us to be growing. In fact, we grow until we die. Is that right? We do. Our body is replenishing cells and all that stuff. We're constantly maturing, if you want to call it that, not aging. We're constantly developing, right? And so we want to do that in our spiritual life as well. The worst thing that we could do is to stay stuck in a place that God doesn't want us to be. Because his timing's different than ours. So the season may be different. Right now, the season for our church is a very distinct season of our church. We've taken in new members. This coming year will become officially um, autonomous and completely on our own. We've been in a, in a way that the Lord has led us over the last three years to develop healthy habits and things like that. But we're in a very distinct season in the life of our church. You might find yourself personally in a very distinct season. Last week, we talked about the Israelites and how they went from a place of bondage to a place of deliverance. So in order to get to where you're going, you must first know where you are. I used the example last week of the you are here sticker that you find on the mall map. It tells you where you are here. You know you're here, <laughs> but here is relative compared to that map. You might've walked in the JCPenney door or the Macy's door, or we don't have Macy's around here, but you know, Kohl's or whatever it might be. And you've walked in and you've got to find out where you are currently. Can I tell you something right out of the gate this morning? God himself knows where you are now. He knows exactly where you are, not just physically right now in this room, but he knows where you're at in your life. He knows the struggle you have with your kids. He knows the struggle you have with your job. He knows the struggle you have with when do I retire or how does this all work? He knows the issue you have in your marriage. He knows the problem you have with your neighbor. He knows your life inside and out, and he knows where you're going next. God is incredible in that way. He knows where we're going next. So that gives me the confidence that I can trust him 
to take me and to lead me where he wants me to go. He created us and he loves us and cares about where we are now and where we're headed next. Go with me this morning to Genesis chapter three. Genesis chapter three, we read a little bit of the creation story from uh, chapter one through chapter four or five, and we see what God did in the beginning of our time together uh, here on this earth, that God created the heavens and the earth, that he created the animals, the fish, the sea, all of these things. And then in chapter three, verse nine, uh, or chapter three altogether, it tells us that something bad happened, but we're going to jump in verse nine where it says this, then the Lord God called to Adam and said to him, where are you? Verse 10 of chapter 3. So he said, I heard your voice in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, and I hid myself. And he said, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree of which I commanded you that you should not eat? Verse 12. Then the man said, the woman whom you gave to be with me, she gave me of the tree, and I ate. Verse 13, and the Lord God said to the woman, what is this you have done? We've talked about this story before, and one thing I always want to point out is Adam was standing with Eve in the garden. Eve was not off by herself doing something crazy. It says she ate and she turned and gave a bite to her husband. So they were in this together. We read this and we, we understand that God is having a conversation, but it's important to have some context. God has created the world. He's developed it. He's gotten it all together. He made a man and he said it's not good for him to be alone. He created a helper. Now sin has occurred. Damage has been done, not just on their horizontal relationship between husband and wife, but their vertical relationship between their, themselves and God himself. Here's God's mode of operations. This is how he works. He came down in the cool of the day I guess he didn't like it very hot. He came down in the cool of the day in the afternoon and he walked with Adam and Eve and he would talk with them. Now on this particular day after these things had occurred and they'd done what they did, he comes down and he asks this question, the first question ever asked by God to a man or a woman. The first question ever recorded in scripture is God's voice speaking to them saying, where are you? The next question he asks is, who told you that? So who told you that you were naked? Who, who told you that you should go hide? Who spoke these words to you? The third question is, is have you disobeyed me? Have, have you done what I told you not to do? And then the fourth question is, what is this that you have done? So we're going to look at these questions today in that context and the understanding that God knows everything. We call this the omniscience of God, that he is all-knowing. He has all knowledge. Psalm 147, verse 4 and 5 says this, He counts the number of the stars. Listen to me. He calls them by their names. Great is our Lord and mighty in power. His understanding is unlimited or it's infinite. 
Now, we talk about the fact that Matthew chapter 10 says that he knows the hair on our head. He cares for us. If he feeds the sparrow, how much more does he love us and take care of his kids? But Psalm 147, the psalmist declares God, when he threw those stars into space, named them and calls them by name. How much more so does he know us by our name and call us and know all the details of our life? So did God know the answers to these questions? Of course he did. He knew the answers to these questions. There's no limit to his knowledge, but he asks the questions anyway. And if you're a parent, you find yourself in God's shoes in this moment. If you've ever done the same thing and said, did you disobey me? You know the answer. <laughs> and sometimes they want to shy away. Sometimes they want to tell you something that's not true. Sometimes they want to flat out lie to you because they want to try to cover it up. Um, they're just training to be politicians someday. Ooh, sorry, Ooh, that was hard. All right, but anyway, um, no, but if you've ever been a parent, you've experienced this. And so God himself says to them, he asks them these questions. And the reason why he says these things and asks these questions is for them to have an opportunity to acknowledge the truth. Because when we acknowledge the truth, will acknowledge the fact that we need him. If we can't acknowledge the truth, if we're not willing to talk about it, if we're wanting to just shift blame, if we're not wanting to own up to our own responsibility in, the, in this equation, then we can't be helped. Are you listening? We cannot be helped if we cannot acknowledge the truth. And so that's why we say it's so important for you to know where you are in your life. Be aware of where you are in your life. Whether or not your marriage is happy, is it healthy? Are you going in the right direction? Whether or not your finances are where you wish they would be, are you making the right decisions? Are you being a good steward of what God's given you? Know where you are right now. But he asked them these questions because our acknowledgement of the truth brings us to the acknowledgement of our need for him. The Holy Spirit may very well ask someone in this room today one of these questions. Where are you? Maybe you've been running from something that God has spoken to you. Maybe you've been running from him altogether. Maybe he's asked you to do something and you've disobeyed. And let me just say this, if you haven't yet obeyed, you have disobeyed. Because delayed obedience is disobedience. If I tell my child to take out the trash, that means now. And if she says, well, I want to do this and I want to finish my game and I want to, no, I asked you to take out the trash. Drop what you're doing and go obey. So I think that we get to the place where we might have lived so long in a pattern where we forget what it is that God spoke to us because we haven't obeyed that thing from a while ago. And now we're like, well, why doesn't God speak to us? He's waiting for us to obey what he's already given us. So we find what he wants us to obey in, in the word of God and through other sources, but we're going to talk about that a little bit today. The Holy Spirit, though, reveals to us the truth of who God is and who we are. And I recognize that I am in need of him. That's why we say we can't stay here. We can't stay stuck in a pattern or behavior that isn't where God wants us to be. So we need God to help us where we are and we'll need his help to get us to where he wants us to go. 
So here's what you need to know. Number one, God thinks about you. Have you thought about someone this week? Raise your hand. We think about those we care about, right? And so God thinks about you. He's concerned with where you are now as well as where you're headed next. I want today for you to receive hope that you don't have to stay where you are if it's a bad place. God can give you the grace to move forward into a new season of your life. He's concerned with, with, with where you are now as well as where you're headed next. He created you and he thinks about you. In Psalm chapter eight, we read these words. It says this, when I consider your heavens and the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have ordained, you've set in their place, what is man that you're mindful of him and the son of man that you visit him? How is it possible in the grand scenery of life that God would think about Dexter? It's because he knows me, he created me, and he loves me, so he does think about me. Whenever you have that worry or that concern, or you might think, well, God's not listening to my prayers, or I'm not seeing the results I wish I could see, or it doesn't feel like I'm moving in the right direction. The Israelites must have had the same sort of feeling, walking in the desert for years and years and years. But was, with, was God with them? The answer is yes. Was he leading them? Yes. Were they supposed to be learning something? Yes. Was their season going to be changed? Yes. They didn't have to stay there. So in the garden, God was thinking about Adam and Eve, and he hasn't stopped thinking about his creation ever since. And he thinks about you individually. He's thinking about you today. Think about that thought that God is not only just concerned with you in a general scope of things, but he actually thinks about you as an individual. When we realize we can't stay here, wherever it might be, we need to realize we've got to step out in faith, and that requires taking a risk. But it's worth it when we're trusting God. He knows the struggles that we face. He knows the issues that we have in our life, whether they be relational or on the job or in other places. He knows the questions that plague our minds. God, what, what is it for the future? God, where do you want to lead us as a family? God, do you want to grow us as a family? All of these questions that plague our minds, God knows those things. So not only does he think about you, number two is God is speaking to you. I love that we see God's MO at the very beginning. The way that he operates at the very beginning is he speaks. He's always speaking. He spoke through prophets. Hebrews chapter 11 tells us that in those days, in the old days, he used to speak through just one guy to tell a hundred or a thousand others. But now he speaks to each person individually. You don't have to listen to me speak to you on God's behalf. You can actually listen to God's voice yourself. And he's speaking to you. He spoke to Adam and Eve. He speaks to and with his children. How much of a relationship can you have if you don't talk? He not only speaks to us audibly, but he speaks to us through his word. He speaks to us through our conscience, which has been redeemed if we're a believer. He speaks to us through circumstances that we're experiencing. 
He speaks to us through other people in our lives. He can speak to us through parents or teachers or pastors or friends. God is speaking and he can speak audibly as well. I want to talk to you about something briefly this morning, and that is the voice of God. Not just the voice of God in the word of God, but the audible hearing of the voice of God in your spirit and in your heart. In the Bible, God spoke directly to Abraham. He spoke directly to Moses. He spoke directly to Job. The Holy Spirit in the New Testament, as God, is speaking directly to the Apostle Paul and saying, don't go to Macedonia, don't go just yet. He's warning him. The Holy Spirit warned, and even angels came and gave warnings to the people. But God is always trying to speak to his people, and he does so audibly in many instances. Many people might think that hearing God's voice is a miraculous event that doesn't occur these days. But I believe with all of my heart that God is who he says he is and still does what he used to do. He spoke then, he speaks now, and he will speak forever. It's something for us to think about because if we're honest, sometimes we think, oh, God's a healer. I'll pray in the name of Jesus today and he'll be healed by the power of God. God will still do that miracle of healing. But for some reason, somehow, we've gotten to the place where we've convinced ourselves that he doesn't speak. But that's a miracle in and of itself as well. And it can be a regular experience in our lives. For some reason, we categorize this and we think that God just had these special moments with superheroes of our faith and he spoke to them, but he did speak to them and he can and wants to speak to us. If we're not careful, we can treat this as something like it's just folklore. Yeah, I can imagine the Sunday school teacher and the burning bush and Moses and Abraham and all these people hearing God's voice, but somehow I don't get included in that. Yes, you can hear God's voice. There's an old joke that says, when you talk to God, we call it prayer. But when God call, talks to you, we call it schizophrenia. <laughs> so, um, no, it doesn't have, you don't have to be a nut in order to hear God's voice. But we should expect to hear God's voice in our life. So turn with me if you want to, John chapter 10. I want to back this up and encourage you to see this in Scripture, not only in the life of Moses and all of these other superheroes of the faith, but here for you and I in John chapter 10, Jesus himself says these words, verse 3 and 4. He's talking about the good shepherd, and he says, the sheep, in verse 3, hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out, and when he brings out his own sheep, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. If he has the ability to call you by name, he has more vocal ability to speak to you full sentences, to lead you and guide you, to tell you, yes, you're making the right decision, or no, hold on, that's not the right decision. Yes, you need to do this, or no, you shouldn't do that. The Holy Spirit is our helper even today. He did not leave when the disciples died. Amen? Amen? All right, if you amen really loud, I'll, I'll end quick, okay? If he calls the stars by name, though, 
and he calls us by name, if he knows the hair on our head, he knows what we're going through in our life, he wants to speak to us in those moments and in our situations that we face. I remember the, the psalm, and you probably, even people who aren't churched, would be able to quote some, if not all, of the psalm. Psalm 23, where it says of him who is the good shepherd that he leads me besides still waters. I love the imagery, and we talk about some of the agriculture in the history of the Bible. We talk about the fact that there are dogs that nip at the rear end of the sheep to get them to go in the right way, but that's not the shepherd's job. The shepherd opens the gate, and he leads the sheep out. He goes before them. He's searching the territory. He knows what's going to befall them. He leads them away from that thing that's going to hurt them if they'll follow him. He's not behind us, goading us on and kicking us in the rear end. He's wanting to lead us beside still waters. He's wanting to lead us in the paths of righteousness for his namesake. He wants us to experience the life he created us for. And the way we do that is by listening to his voice. I said a minute ago where we can hear his voice. There are several ways. Now, I expect fully that God speaks to every believer. I've, I've seen it happen. I know I've experienced it myself that God has spoken to me. And I can use my experience and share it with you today. There have been times in my life that God has spoken and he always is speaking through his word. His word is tested, tried, and true. It stood the test of time. God spoke his word. It is given to us for our correction, encouragement, reproof, all of these things. So I know his voice is in those pages. God's also spoken to me in a way inside of my spirit where I feel that inner sense of God's voice that says, Dexter, go in this direction. I've heard the whisper of the Holy Spirit in my mind telling me to make this decision or not make this decision. I've had people who've encouraged me who have said, you know, I've been praying for you, Dexter, and I want to tell you, I don't, I'm not exactly sure what decision you're up against, but God says you should go ahead and make the choice to fill in the blank. God's spoken through other people to get an, a message across to my heart. God speaks in different ways and we must expect him to speak to us. We're not here today just to show up and to worship God and raise our hands and to walk out no different. We're here today to learn this simple truth that God loves us, he cares about us, he knows us, he wants to speak to us, he wants to lead us in our lives. And the truth is, a lot of times he wants to encourage us to move from the place we are to a new place. You know, it's said of shepherds, and even today they practice this, there's only so long that the sheep can eat the same grass. They've got to move to another location. You don't want to have them feed on things that have worms or bad stuff here. You want to take them to good pastures. And this is exactly what God wants to do with us in our life. So he wants to lead us out of sorrow and into joy. He wants to lead us out of grief. He wants to lead us out of these things of bondage in our mind or in our, uh, in our habits, in our things that we do as behaviors. He wants to lead us to a place of freedom, to a place where there's good for us. We need to hear his voice. His voice is probably saying to some of us today that we can't stay here. Wherever here is for you is different than each one 
in this room. And the third last thing is this. God knows where you are. If we think about Adam and Eve, and that's really the, the scripture that the Lord gave me to, to lead out of with these questions and answers. Not only is his way of operating and his behavior that he knows us, that he calls us by name, that his voice speaks to us, it speaks to us through different ways, but God knew the answer when he said, where are you? He knows the answer and he knows where we are and he knows when we're not in the right place. Think of Adam and Eve. God is not caught by surprise. He was not like shuffling papers going, oh no, they messed up. They messed up the whole thing. Oh no, I've got to figure out a plan. Okay, I think I'm going to send my son down. He, he didn't do that kind of thing. He didn't freak out and lose his cool. He, he had a plan. He knew this was going to happen. So he knew it about King David when King David was not going to do the honorable thing and go out with his men to war. He knew where David was on the rooftop when he began to look down and see Bathsheba. And then adultery came into his heart and then the act actually occurred. He knew that that decision was going to be made. He's not caught by surprise. I've convinced myself of that truth even this week. My father laying in ICU, God is not caught by surprise. So I have to trust him that he knows what to do and how to help me get out from where I am to a new and another place. He knew it of Jonah. He knew that Jonah was not in the right place or headed to the right place. He told him to do something and Jonah disobeyed. And so God was getting his attention. He used circumstances like a storm to get his attention. You see people on the boat in Jonah's story who didn't even believe in his God recognized there's something going on here of a supernatural direction. So he knows it of you and I as well. We are responsible for our own actions. King David and Bathsheba, they had to be responsible for their own actions. Jonah was responsible. But let me tell you, Nineveh was just as much for those people as it was for Jonah to learn the lesson of obedience. God wants to speak to each one of us, and he wants to do it on a daily basis. He knows what we're facing, and he knows every struggle we have. He knows the sin, we said this last week, he knows the sin that so easily besets you or that knocks you off course. He knows that as well. God is with us and he wants us to be led out of those places he doesn't want us in. Turn with me to Psalm 139. Psalm 139, we quote this scripture often. We talk about some significant portions of it, and that's not the portion we'll read today. We're going to read the first 10 verses, and it talks here and just reinforces this understanding that God knows where we are, and he knows when we're not in the right place, and he can rescue us. In fact, that's what he wants to do. Psalm 139, verse 1 through 10 says this, O Lord, you have searched me and know me. You know my sitting down and my rising up. You understand my thoughts afar off. You comprehend my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. For there is not a word on my tongue, but behold, O Lord, you know it all together. You've hedged me behind and before and laid your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high, I cannot attain it. Where can I go from your spirit? Or where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend into heaven, you are there. If I make my bed 
in hell, behold, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. This is incredible when you think about it. No matter where I go, I can't get away. No matter what bush you're trying to hide behind, Adam and Eve, I got you. I know. I see you. (laughs) I see what you're doing, and I'll be with you to help you through this. So even when we make mistakes, God's grace is there. We should not take advantage of that. We should listen and be led by him so that we can walk in the right way. We were created and given a free will to choose what we want to do. Adam and Eve made the wrong choice. David made the wrong choice. Jonah made the wrong choice. But in each of these examples, God's miraculous grace is evident in how he shows, demonstrates himself as a rescuer. You got yourself in a pickle? I'll help you out of it if you trust me. You got yourself in a place where you're stuck in quicksand. It might be emotionally. It might be spiritually. I got you. I can pull you out of that if you just trust me. You've got yourself in a, in a tight bind financially. I can help you with that too. There is nothing too difficult for God. Having a problem with a professor? I got you. I can help you with that too. I just looked at the college students and thought that. Um, have we made wrong choices in our life? Please raise your hand. All of us, right? That's 100% ratio? Good. We've all made wrong choices. He knows where we are, and he knows how to get us out of the places we find ourselves in. This doesn't mean that we're absolved from the consequences. If you read the story, and if you remember the story, David and Bathsheba's son dies. It's God's judgment because of what they did. Adam and Eve weren't just slapped on the hand and said, okay, just don't do it again tomorrow. Sorry, you can no longer live in paradise. But God still has a plan even when we mess up. And even when we uh, avert his plan, God still has a plan. So the question I ask today, some of the questions I would want you to think about are this. Have you found yourself at some point living in bondage, not being free like you know God created you to be? Maybe in the evaluation of your own life this morning, you think about a place where you disobeyed God and you didn't follow his leading. Here's the thing. He'll still gently keep leading us in that right way. Even if we've went and ran ourselves to the cliffside, he'll come and get us. Jesus, in his own words, says he would leave the 99 and go and search out the one. Maybe you're the one that he's had to search for. Maybe we're living in fear. Maybe there's someone here today that's living without joy. These are things that God wants us to have. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control. He wants us to have that stuff. Are we living in shame rather than grace? Are you finding it hard to understand what God is speaking to you because you're just so overwhelmed with the stuff from the past? If you've given it to him and and asked his forgiveness, it's done, it's over. He wants us to live in that place of grace rather than shame. But maybe you're living in a place that you say, you know, I realize I'm lacking something and I don't have God's peace. Today that can change. Would you stand with me?